This is Bloomberg Business Week. I'm Carol Masser. And I'm Jason Kelly. We're here every day bringing you the latest news from the world of business and finance. Plus technology, politics, economics, all harnessing the power of Bloomberg Business Week reporters and editors. Not to mention our 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. You can download Bloomberg Business Week on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Bloomberg.com. You can also listen to our radio show weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, only on Bloomberg Radio. The luxury department store chain Nordstrom, it has been around for more than 100 years, 118 to be exact, expanding through the U.S. uh, and throughout North America. And until this week, did not have a store in what is really uh, the department store capital of the world. We're talking about New York City. So joining us to talk about that and more, Eric Nordstrom. He's co-president of Nordstrom. Thank you so much for doing this with us. Really appreciate it. Well, talk to us about the opening. I mean, New York's been here for a long time. Why did it take so long to open such a presence or big presence here? Well, it wasn't from a lack of effort. Uh, really, it's the only subject I can think of that has spanned, I mean, literally generations for our, for our company. My dad's, uh, when we opened our, our men's store uh, last year, I asked him when was the first time he came to New York and thought about having a store. Uh, he paused and he said, eh, that's right when I first became president of the company. I was 35. Uh, well, he's 86 now. Uh, so it's a long time. The biggest challenge. I mean, certainly location. You know, obviously, to have a, a retail store location is important. Well, you said to me that you guys even looked at the location that is our building, yeah, our Bloomberg headquarters. Yes. You know, Alexander's used to be here. Right. And uh, I know my dad and my uncles uh, made a run at it, and then but Bloomberg out, outbid us. So we didn't get this one. Uh, had a couple others actually signed deals that, uh, you know, there's a complexity to doing a big urban project, and, right. and they fell through. Um but the big challenge, even more so than location, was the right space. Uh, you know, f- for what we do, uh, and and knowing if we were to come here, we had to be our very, very best. Uh, and so the the space is super important for us to have high ceilings, big open space where customers uh, can easily navigate and and. Uh, find what they're looking for, discover new fashion. Um, and most buildings are office buildings. that are low ceilings and right. elevators not in the ideal. middle. So it, it, this area not only came up that we really like being a, a little oriented towards the west side, but being able to start from the, from the ground and build uh, the building that we want, uh, really what tipped us over. And certainly accessible from both the east and west side, uptown, downtown, in terms of kind of a central location. Sure, yeah. yeah look for things. You know, there, there's three... Kind of constituencies uh, certainly start and, and really end with locals, people who live here. How are, how are we a, a part of the city, a part of the neighborhood? Uh, so this location thing we think does that. Uh, there's obviously a lot of people uh, commute in to work, and so the, the subway stops. The transportation is important. Right. Uh, and then there's visitors. You know, uh, New York's such a great international destination, and to be uh, close to the biggest tourist attraction in New York, Central Park and Columbus Circle, there uh, we felt really good about. I got to talk to you about the environment, Eric. I know you read the headlines. You follow, obviously, your space. But, I mean, I think about Lord & Taylor closing, Saks closing a downtown location, Bendel's closing, Barney's going into bankruptcy. I mean, I think some people would say, wait, why are you doing this? Why, you know, how does that or how has that factored in in terms of some of the closings and what you folks wanted to do? Well, yeah, there's uh, certainly our industry, like a lot of industries, going through tremendous change. and uh, But... It's actually not that much change. It's, you know, people shop as as they want to shop. Uh, I certainly believe that customers are more empowered than ever before, uh, less willing to compromise uh, any of their experience with shopping, uh, including in that. And 
you know, in our industry, we talk about uh, things like omni-channel. And, uh, I know you guys hate that from what I've read. Well, yeah. I, <laughs> listen, I, I talk to customers every day. Uh, and I, I've never had a customer use the word channel with me. It's, it's not how they think. They right. just want great experiences. And uh, the reality is, uh, if you are to force a definition of channel, uh, the vast majority of, of the categories we sell are bought in stores. But much more accurately is uh, people are on their phones and they're in physical locations and they want it when they want it. Uh, they want it on their terms. And uh, certainly New York is uh, you know, the greatest retail center, certainly in our country and, and maybe in the world. And uh, you know, for us to be a leader in our industry, and we've been at this a long time and right. we've been a national company for a long time, but, but to really uh, be the leader that uh, we think we can be, uh, we have to have our best presence in New York. But I do think people think, okay, so how will Nordstrom be different than maybe some of the troubles that a Lord and Taylor fell into? Or I'm not saying you guys are apples to apples or, you know, Saks closing downtown or Bendel's. Like, how will it be different for you? Well, First of all, there's a lot of success stories out there. If, if you expand the definition of, of retail, a lot of categories, which, which we can get into, but there's a, a lot of uh, stores and retailers that I would admire. Uh, but again, I, we've always been well served focusing on, focusing on the customer. You know, we've, we started as a shoe store yeah. over 100 years ago. Uh, I grew up selling shoes. Uh, and, and one of the things about selling shoes is I mean, you are literally on your hands and knees in front of the customer trying to take care of them. Yeah. Uh, and that uh, is a good metaphor for, for how we try to continue to, to run the business. And if we focus on the customer, and, and certainly the customer wants things that are different. And building a new uh, physical store today gives us some advantages. We have technology built into the store. Uh, Wi-Fi, cell service, connect that con- connectivity. So customers can be on their phone uh, and a lot of product discovery uh, for what we sell, fashion, right. begins uh, online. And we know that you know, over half of our store sales uh, involve uh, a visit to our website usually on someone's phone. So uh, there's a lot of features we can uh, build there. Uh, and the architecture of the place is very different. Uh, historically, and we've, we have found this over the years, uh, historically retail, uh, especially mall-based retail, has been very inwardly focused, uh, almost like a fortress. You enter a different environment and it's- Cut it's, off from the rest of the world. It's shielded off from the rest. Yeah. Uh, we want to do just the opposite. Well, in keeping with that, I mean, you guys are incorporating food and I'm curious, right? You can be shopping, you can order some food, it's delivered to you on a nice plate. Yeah, tell us, tell us food what, or drink, yes. Tell us, uh, how important, is that going to become kind of a significant separate revenue line for you guys, potentially? Uh, it's not so much about a revenue line. It is uh, one of the things we've really learned as, as we continue to get uh, better information uh, is the importance of engagement, uh, just experiences. Uh, whether there's a sale made explicitly in that engagement or not isn't so much uh, the point. The, the point is the more we can engage customers and food and drink is, is part of that. And keep them uh, there, essentially? Well, not only keep them there, even if they don't spend at I, that listen, time. I love it because I yeah. think about when I'm shopping and I get hungry and then I leave and then I don't go back. Yeah, we don't like that. That's, <laughs> uh, but there is there is that part. But there's also, you know, even if uh, people don't spend in that time, the more we can engage somewhere where it's just, it's a, 
it's another piece of engagement. People come back more often. Right. Digitally, in physical locations, the more we can engage them. And, uh, and food is such a... Uh, you know, it's such a sensory experience, uh, often more so than a lot of our other experiences. It right. really is important. Tell us about how important this store in New York will be to Nordstrom overall in terms of sale. Because typically, or a lot of times you see with these big chains or department store and the high end, that the flagship in New York is typically a big driver in terms of revenues. Will this be your number one driver of revenues? We'll certainly be our biggest store. Uh, absolutely, it'll be our biggest volume store uh, by a healthy margin. It it won't be as big a percentage of our revenue as it is uh, most of the other competitors we have. There, we're, we're a bigger company uh, that way. So, um, it's not. Uh, it's not going to be the biggest driver in terms of revenues. Well, it'll be the biggest single uh, revenue store we have. Okay. Yes, but we have 120 stores. Right. So it's uh, you know it's not. 20% of the company's revenue by any means. Uh, it's a, 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 But as importance, uh, it is the most important thing we've done. Uh, the visibility of, of being in New York, uh, and, and certainly that was our goal. We we didn't aim to open another Nordstrom store. We aimed to, to build a, really a world-class flagship store. Uh, our team spent uh, several years scouring the world and, and really trying to pull out those elements, food and drinks, one of them. Right. Uh, that you know, what makes these these world class flagship stores that are really become uh, these these integral parts of the city of urban life, uh, and and that's that's been our goal. A destination, yeah, for locals and, and others. Um, I am curious too about the holidays. Have you guys? I mean, your timing is impeccable <laughs> as we're all gearing up for the holidays. What are your expectations for fourth quarter? Can we uh, talk a little bit about what. Uh, well, I would say it's you know it's. A challenging environment out there. I think there's some some reasons to be optimistic uh, for holiday. And uh, I've seen some numbers that that we expect it to be maybe a little bit higher than what we've seen in the recent past. I've seen Around that. The- I've seen that too. <laughs> Us retailers, we tend to be optimistic, but uh, uh, yeah, I think there's reasons for be optimistic for holiday. Tell me about the consumer overall, because I love talking to folks like you. Because I think we are at this time where we're trying to figure out. Is the expansion getting old? Uh, the big macro stories continue to bother us, whether it's trade, whether it's Brexit, and so on and so forth. Um, how do you see the U.S. consumer right now? And I know you're higher end, but still. Oh, sure. Well, we have a pretty broad range. Yeah. It's uh, uh, We really, you know, we talk about carrying from Vans to Valentino. I mean, that that is a key part of what we do is having a, a breadth of merchandise and really a I think that's how a modern customer shops today, that a customer doesn't buy one brand and stick to it or even one price point. There's a mix and matching uh, that people put together. That's that's part of fashion. That's part of uh, the interest of expressing who you are. Uh, the, the, the health of the customer is, is good. Uh, but what we focus on, it's much more about what we do. I mean, we're not in an industry where you know there's this massive market share and really any movement has to be uh, at a market level. Uh, there's plenty of places to buy shoes and clothes. Uh, so our success is much more on what we do. Well, that's interesting that you say that because when you look at some of the retailers that have had problems, I mean, I really do feel like if you shop at Nordstrom, you know exactly what you're getting. The brand is very clear, the identity in terms of the store and the stores. And those that don't do so. it, yeah. Well, yeah. well, it, uh, listen. I got all the fallout that we've seen in retail. Um, Are we overstored? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
sugar overstore. There's that's uh, not big news flash that America has too many malls, too many stores, um, and and when you have a shift uh, to go online, people are online more now. Uh, are, are there going to be no stores? Well, of course not. There's uh, there's there's times where, especially what we sell, people like to touch, feel the sizes. I think it's interesting that uh, our our online returns, the vast, vast majority, customers choose to come in a store and do it. Uh, we have free shipping around our online yeah. returns, but they'd rather come to store. It's just easier than putting it in a box. So customers are going to do what they want to do. Uh, our job is not to try to coerce them into a channel or a certain experience that what we prefer. We give them uh, our, options. Yeah, our challenge is to give them options and let them do what they want to do. You guys definitely do give them op- options. And I want to talk a little bit about Nordstrom Local, which I find is a fascinating concept. Um, and I think we reported uh, this past fall that you guys are also going to accept merchandise returns from rivals. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, we do. It's, Why? Well, it's not that big a deal. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't cost uh, you, though, to do that? No, it's a, basically we're a, a hub for UPS. We can, if that helps a customer, for us to, to take it and, and UPS. Do you get sales out of that? As a, or, or, well, we get sales out of traffic. Traffic's yeah. good. Uh, yeah. Interaction's good by, by uh, any measure. And um, these local service hubs have, have really been a, a real interesting and and uh, we think uh, an important part of our, our future. It's uh, it, and it really is looking at what are the assets that we can bring where customers live to serve them better. Uh, certainly, we have stores, but uh, uh, sometimes you know getting in the car and going to the mall is is not the most convenient. I think one of the interesting things uh, we've we've learned from these service hubs. Uh, you know, it's like tailoring. It's yeah. So we car seats we don't like your yeah. We don't stock merchandise center, right. but it's uh, it's services. So yeah. it's uh, being able to do returns, merchandise pickup, uh, buy online pickup in the store, mm-hmm. uh, alterations, uh, styling help. Uh, our stylists can meet their customers there. They're doing um, well. Oh, really well. And, and one of the interesting things is there's all sorts of things. I and mean, you know, customers, their spending is more than doubles when they when they interact with us in one of the local stores. Uh, but I think one of the interesting little effects there is is uh, we get returns back faster. And now that may not seem like a big deal, but part of selling fashion, especially online, returns are, are a fact of life. Right. And what we sell, uh, it's not wine. It doesn't get better with age. Uh, there is a, a perishability to it. So uh, getting it back faster is is good for us, certainly for our model. Uh, but it, it reflects that what we hear from customers is, yeah, I've had this return to my trunk and I'm waiting to go to the mall. Yeah. And, and if I could do it more, more conveniently. Uh, so it is serving customers on their terms. And we piloted these stores in Los Angeles, and we opened two here in New York last month. And it's been a bit of a we in we're in Los Angeles, communicating to customers what it was took a little bit. Yeah. Uh, here, right off the bat, people get it, and and I, I think it's understandable. I mean, if you live in Manhattan, right. you know, blocks matter. You're not you don't have your SUV pulling up to a uh, right. big parking lot. So, but to be able to do an alterations or a return or an order pickup. Uh, in your neighborhood, on your terms, uh, is is appealing, and we're able to do it. Not all these these uh, local service hubs are rack stores. We can do a lot of these services in our rack stores. Uh, we have a trunk club clubhouse here in Manhattan, so right. we really look at not just opening a store here this week. We can. It's how can we leverage these assets we have, physical assets, to serve customers better. Well, what I do think, and and it's funny, we were talking about actually in our makeup room this morning about 
that there's not a lot of service out there <laughs> when you go to retail. So I think, you know, you guys are certainly um, really honing in on it. But so I, what I want to know is you've got the big Nordstrom department stores. You've got Nordstrom Local. You've got Discount, right? You've got, um, you know, various ways of interacting with the consumer online, of course, e-commerce. What's the makeup, I don't know, in three years from now, in terms of what's the biggest driver? I mean, e-commerce has been growing oh, sure. fast for you guys. Yeah, e-commerce is about 30% of our business, yeah. which was usually a bigger chunk than uh, some of our more direct competitors. We've been at it for a long time. We've uh, been in e-commerce over 20 years. Uh, I, I, you know, I... I kind of cringe when you get these questions of, what do you see in three to five years? Um, no one knows. I, okay. I mean, someone to come on here and say they know what's going to happen in three years, I I would challenge them on that. But so, is all of that then going to continue to be an important well, mix? Yeah, I think the point is, uh, the challenge is to be nimble, is to be agile. And, and how do you have uh, a platform uh, capabilities that you can pivot to, to go where the customer is going? So to have, for us... There really is a synergy to having a full-price business, an off-price business, e-commerce, and physical stores. Right. Uh, and to your point, physical stores have some some different elements to them. Uh, what's the right mix? Uh, the right mix of those ingredients to to take care of customers. Uh, I think that'll differ differ store by store. But uh, a couple of uh, general areas that I do believe it's heading in. You know, I've talked about engagement's important. How can we uh, engage with customers? Across channels and services uh, to make their lives easier and, and better. Uh, the other is uh, inventory. It's what we sell. It's not commodities. We right. don't have hundreds deep in the exact same thing. Uh, there's a, a broad breadth, and, and it can be pretty shallow, especially when you get down to size and color. And our inventory, a lot of it sits in stores, which is close to our customers. And being able to connect the customer with the exact size and color they want uh, by moving the merchandise around in a market, which we continue to add capabilities to, and the locals are, yeah. those stores are part of it, uh, we can uh, bring a much bigger selection to customers that can be available even same day and next day, uh, really more than anyone else can do it because we have this inventory in our stores. Right, right. And so customers can get it when they want it. Yeah. I want to ask you a couple of questions, if I may. Um, the toughest long-term strategy decision that you're working on right now? I know you hate long-term. I already heard <laughs> I don't hate long-term, but it's good to be more prepared for the long-term. Um, well, I think we have, uh, you know, so much of our, our focus uh, has been on, and, and big investment has been in, in opening New York. Uh, and so uh, what what comes after that? Uh, you know, for us, most, most of our investments after we get New York open is in technology and supply chain. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, and there's a lot of technology and supply chain. And the, the supply chain capabilities to uh, unlock uh, that inventory to be productive and get customers really what they want in uh, in a lot of speed uh, takes some continued investment there. And that's probably the biggest challenge. Trade wars impacting you that much? Not yet. Not no. Yet. Okay. Uh, All right. What's um, the biggest existential threat to your company or industry? Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't think these things will happen. But I think I think if 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 people uh, all of a sudden, yeah, just looked at at uh, clothing and shoes and accessories as commodities, it's just body covering, and they didn't care what the brand is, and it's uh, you know that 
we wouldn't survive that. That's not our deal. Right. We have to be a place that where people are interested in finding something new that's interesting to them. Um, Shoes will never be a commodity. I'm just laying it I out don't there. think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, what competitor do you most admire and why? There's a lot of retailers that uh, admire. Uh, yeah, I think Target does a terrific job, Home Depot. Um, I, I think Walmart for a, a big, uh, re- incredibly big retailer for uh, some of the big bets they made and uh, uh, the things they have changed. Uh, Best Buy is uh, something they've done. And a lot of them, there's, there's some common threads there of uh, connecting the digital and physical experiences, leveraging the inventory that's in their stores. Um, and uh, I, on top of that, you know, I think for us, we'd layer again the, the importance of, of people and kind of genuine human uh, interaction and an authenticity there. But uh, uh, those are some of the people I think do a great job. i got to ask you this because I can't imagine you because of your last name and your family and multi-generational. Um, but if you weren't doing what you're doing, I know you've been doing it for a long time. You started when you were younger. As yeah, you say, started when I was 12. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what else might you be doing? Uh, well, <laughs> I, it certainly wasn't, uh, as a teenage boy, it wasn't my dream to, uh, yeah, you know, I grew up in women's shoes, selling stocking and, and selling women's shoes. It wasn't that I had a, a passion for women's footwear. I, I would have rather been a basketball player, but uh, you certainly have the height. I, I had the height, I but I, I don't have the jumping for that. So when that ended, um, I don't know. I, I, I mean, really, uh, in all uh, genuineness, it's uh, I've always enjoyed uh, work with my family and uh, my brothers. We we're you know been very close all, all our lives and uh um but mostly what i've i've liked is uh it's a team uh you know mm-hmm. when I was, when I was part of a the shoe team and, and part of shoes is you got the stock room in the back room that you have to get the merchandise for the customers i've always and wondered what goes on behind there it's it's fascinating <laughs> but there's a camaraderie there and yeah. and i always like being a part of a team uh and and that's what we have in our, our company yeah. i mean it's a big team uh but it, it is it is a uh, it's you know, I was just at you know, our store this morning, and uh, you know, our team's all fired up to open tomorrow. And and it's you know, I just feel very fortunate to have these people who are so passionate, and, and they're terrific people. And that, right. that they've uh, well, they're on the front line. Well, yeah, and that they made a decision to hitch their wagon to us and be part of this thing is not something I take lightly. So I don't know what else I'd be doing, but it would be part of being a team. Well, great to hear, and um, thank you so much. I know it's been a busy week. Congratulations on the store. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Thanks for listening to Bloomberg Business Week. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Bloomberg.com. You can also listen to our radio show every weekday at 2 p.m. Eastern, only on Bloomberg Radio.